Our first reading is from the book of 1 Kings, the 17th chapter. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow, widow was gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, Bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said. But first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me, and afterward make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said. And she and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he had spoken by Elijah. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We read the Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the 12th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. In his teaching, Jesus said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples and said to him, and said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, give us faith to walk where you are sending, on paths unmarked, eyes blind as to their ending, not knowing where we go, but that you lead us. With grace, precede us. Amen. As we approach the end of the church year, next Sunday being the last Sunday of the church year, in our gospel readings, we, we see that Jesus starts to point out different things to his disciples. And at this point in chapter 12, they are in Jerusalem and they've been confronted by many of the religious leaders, by the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes. And it's Holy Week, 
but before the crucifixion. And several of these details that Jesus points out, they have to do with the corruption of the current regime, the current worldly systems that are in place. But Jesus will also go on to talk about the end of the world and hint at the next one. And we will hear more about that next week. But I wanted to circle back to something that we have heard Jesus say before. Jesus says it more than once in the Gospels uh, in reference to the last day. It is along the lines of something we heard him say in a Gospel reading from a few weeks ago where Jesus says, but many who are first will be last, and the last first. This is a statement about God rearranging or reordering people's statuses on the last day as we enter the new age. So many of those who are first, who are on top now in this world, currently they are in charge, they are doing well, but it will not be so in the age to come. And this kind of judgment goes beyond persons, it also goes to actions. Actions are judged differently by God than they are by us. We know that God can see into the heart, God can see motives, and knowing these things along with everything else, God can therefore judge correctly, justly. And when he does so, that judgment will be seen to be at odds with how the world has evaluated and still evaluates people in their standing or actions and whether they are good or not. And we might hear that and say, well, of course, if God can read hearts as well as being all-knowing, then of course he could give more accurate judgments. What are we supposed to do with that? And maybe like the disciples, as Jesus tells the disciples more than once, maybe we need to listen more. These things are recorded for our benefit and instruction. It's not just to hear himself talk that Jesus says the kind of things that we hear in our gospel reading today. Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts. Now, we may not have scribes as such, but we do have people with those kind of ambitions. We do have a lettered class. We have people who desire to work their way up ladders, who desire to dress well and be admired and honored by others. And by the way, many of those types of people <laughs> may be us. Those temptations are not tempting only to, for other people. We may want those things as well. But Jesus goes on to say the more damning part, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. And so what might fulfilling those kind of ambitions cost? Can the dark side of the economy be covered with long prayers? And Jesus says, they will receive greater condemnation. And when we think about that, if we think about it for too long, I think we will, think, I think we will agree that, that that doesn't sit well with us. 
And you will find that often in the scriptures, we see how Jesus saying how God sees things, how God judges things. And as we're reading through with Jesus and the disciples, oftentimes he gives them a real-time read on these kind of situations. And we see that oftentimes the disciples are not pleased with Jesus when he does that kind of thing. And so we hear that and we think, well, maybe the next thing, maybe we just need to escape the system. Maybe we just try and not play the game at all. But the very next observation Jesus has is about someone who is on the opposite end of the spectrum. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance. But she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Now, is that the example for us? And I know you and I both hope that's not the example for us, just like we didn't hope that the guy who was told to sell everything he had, we heard about that a few weeks ago. But is this an example? Jesus doesn't exactly commend the lady. He does say that she put in more. She may not have the nice clothes. She may not be in charge in the way that the others were. But she did just put her coins into the offering box at the temple. And if you keep on reading immediately after in Mark's gospel, you just keep reading on into chapter 13, the very next thing the disciples are going to do is point to the temple and note how large and how impressive it is. They are seeing it with worldly eyes because Jesus responds by saying, it's all going to be torn down. And so about the widow, she had given her last two cents to a corrupt institution. Her motives may have been right, but even then it went towards a corrupt system. And so the first example didn't sit well with us. I don't think this example sits well with us either. And that unease is probably good for us. One of the things that Jesus is getting at with his first becoming last and the last first is our lack of sound judgment. We fail to evaluate things correctly. And we fail all too often for all sorts of reasons. But Jesus will continually point the disciples towards judgment and towards Judgment Day, especially, as I said, as we're winding down the church year, Jesus will point toward a time when all things will be sorted out correctly. And he will say, that is a good goal. That will be a good end. Because there, all of the hypocrisy, all of the falsehoods will be done away with. And God will put people where they should be and nothing could be better for us. But how are we to live until then? Again, worldly judgment, which we all fall prey to all the time, that will not do. 
So how do you prepare for what is coming? Well, do you know what is coming? Are you going to hoard things? Are you going to purchase the latest survival gear? Are you going to prepare in that way? Would that have helped the disciples? Would that have helped the scribes? The widow's too poor to even play that game. And whatever you are thinking, I'm guessing that the answer for none of us is what God did for Elijah. I don't think, if you think about the future, I don't think any of you were preparing (laughs) to go live with a widow and her child, a widow who has nothing in the cupboard, who has hardly anything at all, period. And yet God provided for Elijah and the widow and her son for three whole years where there was no rain. And so we see that the, the proper answer for all, for the scribe, for the widow, for the disciples, for you and I, is to turn to Christ and to pray for mercy, as we heard from Bartimaeus a couple weeks ago. Nothing about the future, nothing about the end of the world is as certain as that it is the time when Jesus will return. And so getting right by him is what matters more than anything else we could plan for. Our first reading today we read from the Old Testament about Elijah and the widow. The the epistle signed for today was from Hebrews chapter 9. And there the writer talks about the true temple, the heavenly temple, uh, of which the earthly temple was only a copy. And the writer goes on to say, as it is, Christ has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Our judgments about what may come and how to prepare for it, these judgments are going to be off. But we will have to go forward as best we can. But we see as we go forward that Christ has already dealt with our sin by his death and resurrection. And he points us to himself. He says that he will come at the end of time to save us, to put things right, to do away with the corruption of the current world and to bring about the perfect kingdom, the kingdom of God forever. And in a world where we are constantly confused, in a world that is full of falsehood and full of even sometimes right meaning, nevertheless misjudging, let us constantly look toward Christ. Let us constantly yearn and pray for what he brings. Nothing could be better, and nothing could be surer. Amen.